Welcome to Healthcare Happenings, a One Digital Employer Advisory Podcast. It's no secret that healthcare is complicated and to prepare for the road ahead, business leaders need transparency and access to information in order to develop the best health benefit strategy. Our team of compliance leaders are here to shed light on the latest developments on the Hill and share their collective vision for ways to improve the healthcare experience. In digging into our, our new series topic here about today's healthcare system, our needs for tomorrow, we're really looking at, a lot at, we not only have to look at where we're going, but we have to understand where we are today and maybe, maybe even what's brought us here. So um, we want to tackle really in-depth where we are, where we're going, and maybe um, what are the different paths of getting there. So to kind of set, start setting the stage, Ron, can you talk to us a little bit about what the current, what is the current state and what types of challenges are we having? Sure. Um, if we think about <clears throat> healthcare and efforts, the legislative efforts we see today, we, we need to recognize that most of those focus on access. They don't really focus on the systemic issues associated with uh, the healthcare programs and the cost. And so I think to set the context about things that need to be fixed and then some new things on the horizon that may help fix those, uh, we, we need to have that context. So the first thing that's probably pretty important to do is, is let's define what is unnecessary care. And unnecessary care can reflect itself, obviously, in unnecessary cost. But, but let's define that is any medical care that's provided at a higher volume than is needed for the patient's benefit. Um, that can take the form of excess treatments, uh, medical interventions that are actually in excess of what is necessary to treat a condition, or uh, simply just mixed uh, diagnosis or uh, some challenges in terms of uh, treatment regimes for certain things. Uh, a lot of things get incorrectly diagnosed and uh, people then in an effort to satisfy the patient can often uh, subscribe to uh, treatment that's just not, not needed. So that leads so us is this to- more like treating the symptoms and not the origin of whatever it is because we haven't even figured out what the origin is. So we're doing a lot of Band-Aids to try to figure out that, that's how exactly, people continue. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And, and so we have to believe, in, in fact, I believe that there's as much as 30% of care is excess care. So how do you know something like that? In other words, that's an opinion. But if we look at uh, the percentage of GDP we spend as a nation, it's it's extraordinarily high relative to other nations, but the uh, medical outcomes are no better. So that's that's the first step. And if I could offer an example of, of how simple this might mean, if we go to a little town in Middlebury, and uh, it's in Vermont. Seven <clears> percent of children under 16 had their tonsils removed. If you go like 50 or 100 miles down the road uh, to Morrisville, and, and this is some time back, uh, it's about two hours away. Seventy percent of children of the same age had their tonsils removed. Seventy. Seventy. This is a little bit of a difference. So yeah, yeah, and so you so you better ask yourself now what. What's the cause of those differences? 
And so the scientists, medical experts, and all really researched it to make sure that it wasn't an issue of uh, other disease categories or things like that. And what it simply came down to is the doctors in Middleburg had very different training than the doctors that existed in uh, in the other town. And so how do we know that? Well, they put a second opinion system in the town that had 70% rate of tonsillectomies. Mm-hmm. And the difference was eliminated completely. And the town oh, came down to 70% within a year. So, so all the second opinions came back and said, no, they don't need their tonsils removed. Yeah. And oh. so, again, mm-hmm. that's not somebody trying to do something that's not necessary. No, it's right. a result of the training that they were exposed to and what, what they believe. Mm-hmm. And so there are other issues like that all over the place. If we think about them, a lot of us have gone to the doctor and said, well, aren't you going to give me a prescription? And studies will tell you that uh, – satisfaction rate correlates with what a doctor did, not what he said. And so if you look at the satisfaction of people that left the office saying it'll go away in seven days, and the satisfaction of people who got a, a sample or a prescription, there's a fairly dramatic difference in the satisfaction rates. That's so funny. I was just going to ask you, is it this instant gratification society we live in that lends itself to, you know, I need something right now and I'm not going to wait out a virus to see if it goes away on its own, which most do, um, or do I feel like unless I have something tangible in my hands, something that uh, to make me feel better immediately, or at least get rid of symptoms, I don't think I have good treatment. And so people cater to that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did consulting work for a while with the orthopedic group. And uh, one of them was very conservative and tried physical therapy and things like that before he would do operations. And he would always was so frustrated with the patients he would lose because they would go get a second opinion and somebody say, well, you need to get an operation. And so they saw his uh, care as deficient by not recognizing that when, in fact, very well could have avoided an operation with other uh, other treatments. So so what are the causes of all this? What reinforces these things to continue to happen? And I think there are about seven different things. One, One of the biggest problems in the system is fee for service. And to put it simply, you get paid more for doing more. So you have the example that uh, normal competition, if you went to a town and you had one, uh, one orthopedist and they were making 100000 a year and another orthopedist entered that town, you would have expected both of them to make 50 the following year. Well, that's, that's not the case. They both make 100 and the number of procedures for that same population generally go up. So, again, fee for service is, is sort of an archaic system, but the entire healthcare system is based on that. You know, now with litigation, there's some contribution uh, associated with litigation. And and so there's the defensive medicine. We'll do things we don't need to do just to make sure we don't have anything. Uh, Consumers clearly with insurance are isolated from the true cost. I mean, if you can figure out what the cost of a hospitalization to get a hip replacement is in a hospital, then you can make a million dollars as a consultant. Because, you know, there are too many variables, too many separate things. Uh, You know, think about 10, 15 years ago. We didn't have ads on TV direct to consumer about drugs. 
So now we've got the consumer going to the doctor saying, what about this drug? What about that drug? And then we get into that satisfaction issue again. Am I going to accommodate? Well, everybody, you know, everyone on TV taking those drugs looks so happy and they see they're so well. <laughs> like, why yeah. wouldn't I want them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all the all the risks are, you know, quickly noted at the end and uh, nobody pays attention to those. Uh, you have so, really quick on that. Do you think that a, a generic substitute then for those things that people are disappointed by that, too, because it wasn't the drug name that they saw? Um yeah, I, I mean, I've seen the examples of customers. We had a customer one time who uh, had to take a spe- had to take special pills because the other one didn't work. And the only difference was one was time released and the other was not. Mm-hmm. And so she was paying three times with the uh, the one that wasn't time released. She would take two of those a day instead of the one with the time release. Yeah. But she had to have the time release. She retired, went on Medicare and had to pay the difference and quickly was more than happy with taking the two pills instead of her paying the differential. Mm-hmm. But but people are convinced a lot of times that the only drug that will work for them is the one, the brand. Right, that they're seeing. Yeah. yeah, so you're exactly right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about self-referral. I mean, golfers, uh, particularly older golfers, are, are good examples. If something hurts, I'm going to the doctor to get it fixed so I can play golf, right? And so, I, I, you know, instead of just letting it heal itself. Yeah, so it's just it's not like my being able to maintain my lifestyle, right? Or, or the things that I love to do, I, I'm not going to wait. Exactly. Yeah. And then a real issue is, is conflicting economic interest. And, and so in a prior life doing consulting work, we would have specialty practices want to add uh, an additional, like an MRI or something like that. And you would do the numbers based on the number of referrals they had out of the practice at the time. And it didn't make economic sense to add service. They would add the service anyway, and it would always be profitable. And the explanation was, are you doing more now that you own it? But the sense was, no, we understand it better now, and we should have been doing these a greater number of referrals before. So, so, so there's the that justification of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that economic. We didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and another thing that will surprise people is this idea that there is a, a standard of best medical practice across the country. And, and that's simply not true at this point in time. It, it's improving. But. Best practice is generally defined by the local uh, academies, and local academies often reflect those issues about what services are available, who they're associated with, things like that. So practices on the West Coast are very different from the East Coast. Practices that are dominated uh, in hospital communities are very different than those that have, are rural and there really is no definitive uh, best practice. So those are the things we'll talk about as we go into these future pods. And we can talk about things that may help do that. But we've got to find solutions to those problems before we really can make any progress. I mean, the things that you outlined are so so entrenched in the system that we have. Um, and not in just the system that we have, but people's expectations and then their corresponding behaviors. So this is like... I think this is, as people always think about it, why isn't, why don't we just fix it? Well, 
there, this is why we just can't just flip a switch. There's so many different things that are contributors. So digging on these will be good. And then I think that'll help us look at some of these solutions coming forward too and say, well, does, does that account for all of these things, right? Well, you know, see, it can be fixed because uh, we did some studies once before on closed panel HMOs where all the physicians were on salary, all the specialty representations were there, and the individuals would go in. And for the same benefit design, you could see product pricing uh, at 30, 35% differential. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's, that's all gone away. Yeah, that's significant. Well, and we're seeing some of those solutions um, like direct primary care where people are outside of the whole system, just going one-on-one to the doc and paying them a flat fee per month to say, hey, treat me and my whole family for as few or as many times as we show up. Yeah, and the concern there is, is how much pressure is here to satisfy that individual that's paying that fee? Yeah, well, and that's true too. So yeah. again, that doesn't address that behavior piece, right? Or sure. that expectation piece. So good stuff. Um, this will be, a, uh, as you can see, this is going to be a big subject for us to dig into. But uh, thanks, Ron. This was really great. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. Staying on top of compliance today can be the source of great concern and frustration. Our dedicated team of attorneys and experts look around the corner on your behalf and deliver the tools, education, and resources needed to help you plan for the future and protect your employees and business every day. You can access additional resources, employer advisory sessions, and podcasts on our website, onedigital.com. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.